understand how important it is today that we have an awesome move of the Holy Ghost every time we come to this house. This is the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Welcome to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast. The following message is titled, The House of God, The Gate of Heaven, and was spoken by Pastor Gary Keller. We hope and pray this message blesses your life. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit us at nlcclancaster.com. Genesis 28, verse 16 and 17. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. Jacob was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God. This is the house of God. But he doesn't stop there. He makes one more statement. And this is the gate of heaven. That passage has been with me for nine days because sometimes it's just the house of God. But because we're not in the right frame of mind, our position It's not the gate of heaven. And I would propose to you that the only way, only true way for this to be the house of God is for it to be the gate of heaven. Because it's that gate of heaven that makes the house of God what it must be. Without him, this is just routine It's just a social gathering. But with him, when he is in the house, anything can happen. Now, here's, here, before you're seated, I want you to know that maybe you're saying, well, that disqualifies me because right now I'm really not where I should be with God. I don't have the right attitude, I don't have the right spirit, I don't have the right disposition, don't have, I'm just not where I should be with God. So why, why don't I just go on to Sunday dinner? No, no, ushers are not letting you out. I told them lock the doors, don't let them out. Not really. But at the end of the day, maybe you feel as if you don't qualify to arrive at the house of God and maybe you don't qualify for the house of God to be the gate of heaven because you're really not where you want to be and maybe you're really not where he wants you to be and so if that's the case or if you are full of the Holy Ghost today and that's the case in either case this message is not for the person in front of you. It is not for the person behind you. 
It's not for the person beside you. This message is for you. You may be seated. Now Jacob awakes out of his sleep and he immediately recognizes the Lord is in this place. He said, I didn't even know it. I was so disconnected from God that when I showed up here, I didn't even know God was here. And he was fearful and he makes this statement, this is none other but the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. You see, there is no other New or Old Testament Bible character that represents more fully the conflict between the lower nature or the sinful nature or the Adamic nature of man and the higher nature of man when he's where he should be with God than does Jacob. Jacob was one, if you look at his life, it was ups and downs. It was peaks and valleys. It was good days and bad days. Beginning on the downgrade and then at times reaching glorious heights, we find Jacob rising upward only to see him sink again into what could be described as disgusting struggles of personal gain at any cost. If you look at his life and take a brief overview of his life, it unfolds in Scripture something like this. He cheats his brother Esau out of his birthright. He deceives his aged father Isaac. He lies to his family. This is the one that said, this is the house of God and the gate of heaven. I want to draw a comparison that he probably didn't qualify, but God's mercy let him in on the presence of God. Instead of facing his shortcomings, he is compelled to flee under the cloak of darkness. His family troubles are on every hand, and they're innumerable. You will find love spoiled by deception concerning his marriage. There is a long, distasteful struggle with his father-in-law that sets him back for years, seven years to be exact, if you remember that story. There, there are horrendous spats of jealousy between his wives that are recorded in the work of God. And notwithstanding, his daughter Diana was defiled. In a spirit of revenge, his sons bring more trouble upon him than he knows what to do with. It's a tough life. It's ups and it's downs. But with all of that said, no devout reader who studies the history of Jacob's life can doubt that he was a chosen instrument of God regardless of his ups and downs. And to me, that is so encouraging today that you and me, we can be used of God in spite of our shortcomings. We can get things right with God. Jacob was a chosen vessel of God. In spite of his weaknesses, 
spite of his wrongdoings and notwithstanding his family wearinesses, he was chosen of God. And the good news is this. If you follow the ups and downs of his life, at the end he emerges upon a mountain, triumphant, victorious, jubilant in his faith, and his faith was in Almighty God. Jacob's story in our text starts something like this. He's fleeing for his life because he has stolen his brother's birthright. And Jacob knows that his brother is out to kill him. And so if you go to Genesis 28, starting at verse 10, and Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. He lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took the stones of that place and put them for his pillow and laid down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on that ladder. And here's an interesting statement. Behold, the Lord stood above it. And the Lord spoke and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, and the God of Isaac, and the land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it and to your seed. And your seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and east and north and south, and to thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and I will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and I will bring thee again into this land, and I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of." That's the dream that God gave this conniver, this sojourner, this runner, this man that was fleeing for his life, this man that lied to his own father and stole his brother's birthright. God shows him what can happen if he will get into God's presence. And Jacob said when he woke out of that sleep in verse 16, surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't know it. And there he was afraid and said, it's dreadful here. And then he makes this statement that I preach from today. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. On that fateful day in Jacob's life, the question was, what empowered him? What empowered him to make the statement I preach from today? What empowered him to make the statement, this is none other but the house of God and this is the gate of heaven? The answer is found in the previous verses that I shared with you, angels ascending and descending, God standing at the top of the ladder. You want to know what makes this the house of God? 
It's only the house of God if there is the gate to heaven. It's only the house of God if there are angels ascending and descending. It's only the house of God if God is in the house. The house of God can only be the house of God and can only be the gate of heaven if the Lord God is present. For a place to qualify as the house of God, God must be in that house. If God is in the house, then it will be the gate of heaven. And my message today is, oh, for God to send angels in this place today. And he can and he will. My father took a church in Atlanta, Texas in 1961, and it, it was a church that had about 25 members at most, including the children. And dad brought the men together. There were seven or eight of them. And he said, gentlemen, this is what God is going to do. And God, dad shared the vision that the Lord had given him that they would build a new building, eight men, 25 people, we'll build a new building. God's going to send revival, but you are going to have to buy into the vision. And this is what it's going to take. I'm asking you to do this, 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 and this. And it was old brother Patterson that looked at my dad and said, I mean, you no disrespect, but I can't do that. I can't do that. I won't do that. And dad said, that's fine. We're moving forward anyway. The long story short is we were there 36 months. The church went from 25 to over 200. They built a brand new building and then dad was called back to the state of Indiana. In 36 months that happened. But you go back to Brother Patterson as he said, no, I can't be involved in that. I'm not going to make that kind of spiritual commitment. I'm not going to be a part of the team to make that happen. But Brother Patterson that night he was a wealthy man. He lived in a big home, and they used to have what was called a dining hall in the homes down south. In other words, right down the middle of the house was a dining hall that reached from the front door all the way back to the kitchen, and all of the other rooms were off of the dining hall, and in the middle of the dining hall was the kitchen table. It was literally a dining hall. It was a hallway that was probably, and I remember as a kid being there, it had to be 15 feet wide, and it was 50 feet long, or however long the house was, and Brother Patterson comes out that night when he said to my father, I'm not sure I can, I'm just not going to make that commitment. Cannot, I don't see it. And so he comes out of his bedroom to walk down the dining hall to the bathroom. And when he steps into the hallway, there is an angel at the far end. And the angel just simply walked down that dining hall room and walked right in front of him and walked right out the front door. And at two o'clock in the morning, the phone rang. My dad answered the phone and Brother Patterson said, I'm on board. Whatever we have to do to have revival, let's have it. And it, it brought unity. It brought togetherness. 
I'm just asking God, do it again, Lord. Send angels on ladders ascending and descending. God, we want you to be over everything that we do, everything that we say. We want your presence to be here. We want this to be more than just a house. We want this to be the gate of heaven in the name of Jesus. Oh, for God to stand above New Life Christian Center this morning and confirm that in this house, this is the gate of heaven. I remember another story and it just comes to mind and Brother Patterson's story was not in my was not in my notes and neither is Brother Arrington's, but I remember in that church when Dad built that new building. Sister Arrington said there were two sections of pews with a center aisle and Sister Arrington said about a third of the way back against the wall on this side, her husband, Mr. Arrington, sat on the back row by the aisle and he was a bulldoze driver and was cutting through inter, uh, State Route 59 that goes from Texarkana to Houston. He was the one that was using bulldozers to put bypasses around all the cities down through there on 59 and and, and he was a heavy set man, white hair, being in the sun. He had a real red face. And, and Brother Patterson came every Sunday night. But, you know, there was something about it. When Dad would walk to the pulpit and open his Bible to preach, Brother Patterson would get up and he would leave. He did it every Sunday night. He loved the worship, but he couldn't stand the preaching. It wasn't that he didn't like Dad's preaching. He was under conviction. And so he would leave every Sunday night, the back doors would open. Nobody would even turn around to look. Everybody knew that's Brother Arrington leaving. We knew that he was gone. Now, at most churches, when somebody gets up, I lose everybody's attention because the whole congregation goes, and I have to wait until they disappear out the back door and then start preaching again. But we, nobody looked back. We heard him get up. We heard the doors open. We, we knew that he left. We knew he'd be back after church because we always had a fundraising dinner on Sunday night with Frito pies, and you don't know what those are probably. And, and, and so we'd have Frito pies, and he would always come back and have great stories to share, and, and he was the most fun to be with, and he would eat three or four Frito pies, but he always left right at preaching time. Part of that revival was on one Sunday night, he got Got up. He walked out the double doors. There was an angel standing there. And the angel simply said, tonight is your night. And the angel disappeared. And dad was just finishing, I'll never forget it myself, just finishing reading his text and looked down the aisle. And brother Arrington had one hand over his mouth and the other hand up in the air. And he hit the altar talking in tongues. God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And he was baptized in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. I'm just saying that to say this, that God, if it's the house of God, there's going to be a move of God and sinners cannot sit in the congregation of the righteous. God's going to touch them and bless them and heal them and deliver them and save them. You and I need to understand how important it is today that we have an awesome move of the Holy Ghost every time we come to this house. This is the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. So, angels, 
when I think about angels and I think about the gate of heaven and I think about God wanting to move among us and then I think of the hour that we're living in. This is a horrendous hour. We have never faced anything like this in America and notwithstanding around the world. There are diseases, there are problems, there are perplexities. The Bible said in the last days, men's hearts will fail them for fear, for looking after the things that have come upon the earth. There are circumstances right now that the world leaders, you and I don't even know about them, but they're trying to figure out how they can solve the problems. There's so many problems here. I'll tell you what we need is we need a church that is more than just the house of God, but we need a church that is indeed the gate of heaven. We've got a lot of churches, and I'm not talking about denominational churches. I'm not speaking about other congregations that are not of our faith. I'm talking about apostolic churches just like ours. We got a lot of apostolic churches that are just a house of God, but they are not the gate of heaven because they have not allowed God to come in. But on this Sunday morning, hallelujah, I am declaring that New Life Christian Center must be the house of God and it must be the gate of heaven or we might as well close the doors. But we're not going to close the doors. We're going to open our hearts, our minds, our souls, our spirits, and we're going to let God be God in this house. Amen. Hallelujah. This world needs the church. You know it as the gate of heaven. And when God sets a mark upon the forehead of righteous people, it will be a tremendous asset to this world. God wants to identify his people and he identifies his people by declaring they are the ones who sigh and cry for the abominations that a society has caved into. Listen to Ezekiel. And when you hear the word north, think heaven. When you hear the word men, think, think angels, because that's what we're dealing with in Ezekiel chapter 9. He cried also in my ears with a loud voice, saying, Cause them that have charge over the city of Jerusalem to draw near. Every man, that's an angel, with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men came from the way of the higher gate. It's talking about heaven which lieth toward the north, and every man a slaughter weapon in his hand. And one man among them was clothed with linen, which had a rider's inkhorn by his side. And they went in and stood beside the brazen altar. And the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherubim whereupon he was to the threshold of the house. And he called the man clothed with linen, which had the rider's inkhorn by his side. And the Lord said unto him, this is your assignment. My house has got to be a gate of heaven. And so go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark 
upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and cry for all the abominations that are done in the midst thereof. If you want to know what opens up the house of God to become the gate of heaven, it's when a church will humble itself and pray, God, give us revival. God, help my family. God, bless my church. God, move in my community. God, touch our nation. Lord, touch our world. It's those that sigh and cry for the abominations that are done in the midst thereof that God says, now I can send an angel from heaven to set a mark upon them. If there's one thing I want on this Sunday morning, it's for God to be able to walk into this place and identify us as his church because we have a desire to have the ministry of reconciliation. We have a desire to stand in the gap. We have a desire to make a difference. Do you know how many people committed uh, died from overdoses in Ohio in the last month? It's staggering what's going on. What's the answer? Somebody's got to sigh. Somebody's got to cry. Somebody's got to say, let this be a house where it is a gate to heaven where people can be delivered. We've got to get busy. We've got to get a passion. We've got to get a burden. We've got to get desire in our heart to sigh and cry for the abominations that are done in the midst thereof. You will always find this. Anytime there's a, oh, Lord, help me. Anytime there's a gate to heaven. Oh, yeah. Anytime there's this angels ascending there. Anytime there's a supernatural move of God, mark it down. Somebody's crying. Somebody's sighing. Somebody's believing. Somebody's saying, we don't want church as usual. Let me just tell you something. Maybe, maybe it's, you know, God is still God. Okay, can I preach to you right now? God is still God. And he's God all by himself. Hallelujah. He's God when the thunder roars. He's God when the lightning flashes. He's God all by himself. God is still God of his house. And the gate of heaven is still open. Regardless of what you might be going through this morning, you made the right show. You're in the right place today because I got a feeling in the next 10 minutes, I'll be done in about eight or nine minutes. I got a feeling when we're done, somebody's going to say, you know what? I can make it to the gate of heaven. I want God to descend. I want the Holy Ghost to touch me. I want God to move upon me. Praise God. And maybe, maybe you're like it was in Isaiah chapter six. And, and this is a, this is a very sad passage because the king is dead. There's death involved. In the year King Uzziah died, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. Where did you see him? In the midst of all of this chaos, I saw the Lord sitting high upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train or his victories filled the temple. Uh, above it stood seraphims. Each one had six wings. With two of those, they covered his face, and with two, his feet, and with two, they did fly. And one cried to another and said, 
holy, 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 the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door was moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke or the house was filled with his glory. That's what I'm talking about. It was the gate of heaven that allowed the presence of God to come down. Oh, that we would have a visitation of the Holy Ghost like we've never had before at New Life Christian Center. Jesus walks into the synagogue and it becomes the gate of heaven. It was not the gate of heaven until he showed up. Listen to Luke chapter 4. The synagogue is just another house until Jesus shows up. Verse number 16, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, which when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord. This is what happens when Jesus is in the house. This is what happens when there's a gate to heaven. This is what happens when it's not just church as usual. When Jesus really shows up, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering the sight of the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down in the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. I have come to open up the windows of heaven. Hallelujah. For this synagogue to be a place where people can be blessed. Listen to what Jesus said in the temple that day. This day is this scripture fulfilled. It it's finally here, the gate to heaven. It's not just a house of God, but it's a house of God with the gate to heaven. When you are truly in the house of God with angels ascending and descending and God standing over your circumstances, it is then that the gate of heaven is open and hope and healing and righteousness and peace and joy and the Holy Ghost can rest upon you. This is the day when he promises, hallelujah, that I will bless you. It's time for the Spirit of God to move on every one of us. How appropriate in 2020 would it be for us to be able to say this is the last days and God is pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. This is the day of anointing in so much that the gospel is being preached to the poor. There is a healing here today for the brokenhearted. There is deliverance for the captives. There is the spiritually blind that are now going to see and the physically blind that are now going to see. There is a liberation for those who have been bruised in their walk through life. This is the acceptable year of the Lord. Just as 760 years after Isaiah made that prophecy until Jesus sat down in that synagogue declaring the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now 2,000 years from the time Jesus sat down in that synagogue until now I can say across this pulpit with confidence this is the day the Lord has made and the spirit of the Lord rests upon this church and God wants to give this church an apostolic revival that comes from him, not through the greatest song, not through the greatest message, not through the greatest program, but it comes from the fact that heaven is opened up and the glory of God is descending and there's a supernatural and there's angels ascending and descending. It's only going to happen when the Holy Ghost flows freely among us. 
Somebody said, praise God. What did Jesus say in Mark chapter 11? Lord, Lord, Lord. Hallelujah. Prayer in his house indicates that it's the gate of heaven. Jesus said in Mark chapter 11 and verse 17, and he taught them saying unto them, it is written, my house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer. But you made it a den of thieves. Jesus said, my house shall be called the house of prayer. Can I just suggest to you that if you want the gate of heaven, then there must be prayer in the house. And when there is prayer in the house, it opens up the gate to heaven. Hallelujah. I know that some of you are saying, I don't qualify for this. Neither did Jacob. Jacob was weak. Jacob had ups and downs, but Jacob had an encounter that would change him forever. And his name would eventually be changed from Jacob to Israel. And the rest is history. I'm just preaching to somebody right now that you're saying, I'm not sure about this pastor. I'm just telling you that this is a house of prayer. And the Lord said, if you pray whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you're going to open the gate to heaven and heaven's going to pour out his spirit. We need the healing virtue of God to flow in this place. There are people that do not need to walk out of here today until God has touched them physically. There are people that do not need to walk out of here lost until God has saved them. How's it going to happen? We're going to pray. We're going to believe God. We're going to trust God. We're going to open the house of God. It's going to become the gateway to heaven. So if you want the house to become the gateway of heaven, you got to pray. And I'm going to end with this. If you want his house to become the gateway to heaven, you got to praise him. Not preaching to the person in front of you. Not preaching to the person behind you. Not preaching to the person next to you. Preaching to you. You got to worship. You got to praise him. You want this to be the gate to heaven? He's not coming anywhere where he's not being worshiped. He's not showing up if he's not number one. He's not walking in here if he's not in the first chair of your orchestra. If you got him pushed down to the second, third, down to the fourth, fifth chair, he ain't playing. Hallelujah. He said, I'm a jealous God. My glory, I'm not getting to another. If you want me, you got to get me in the first chair of your orchestra. As a matter of fact, not only is he in the first chair, but he is the conductor. He calls the shots. This is his house. This is not Keller's house. This is not your house. This is God's house. And God said, would you please let me in? Would somebody pray until I show up? Would somebody pray until I open the windows of heaven? Will somebody be like Daniel and say, I don't care what Nebuchadnezzar has said. I'm opening up the windows of heaven because this is the house of God. And God is right here. And I'm going to pray to my God. And God's going to answer my prayer. And something's going to happen in the house. Can I preach to you right now that God wants his supernatural power to be at New Life Christian Center? Oh, we cannot allow this to be a den of thieves. It's got to be a place where the Spirit of God has a liberty. Got to move. He's got to move. He's got to move. He's got to move. 
He's got, I'm glad, I'm glad the chaplain is standing, clapping his hands. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I wish you was a chaplain because you'd probably be standing, clapping your hands. But thank God for a chaplain that says, I hear you, preacher. We got to have a move of the Holy Ghost. Chaplain Goss, I'm getting ready to go Pentecostal on him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Prayer opens the gate to heaven. No prayer, you're just another building. Praise in his house is the gate. I hope you understand when I talk about the gate, I'm talking about if we get it open, if we ever get it open, he's coming. That's why I read for you in Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. I hope I can get the next part out. I hope you understand what this scripture is saying. Enter in to his gates with thanksgiving enter into his courts with praise be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good and his truth his truth his truth his truth endure to all generations If you want this house, if you want new life to be the gate to heaven, you got to pray and you got to praise. No wonder the psalmist said, praise ye the Lord. And he said, before I go any further, Praise God in the sanctuary. Why are we praising him in the sanctuary? Because it opens up the gate to heaven if we start praising him in the sanctuary. Clap your hands under the Lord and shout with a voice of it. church. I want to be a church that is the gate to heaven. Somebody's got to be saved. Somebody's got to be delivered. Somebody's got to be healed. It's got to be the gate to heaven. Let me finish my last scripture. Psalm 151 through 6. Praise ye the Lord. 
They say that if you're going to write a letter to someone and maybe you won't see them for weeks or months or years, it's what you say at the end of the letter that's most important. They probably won't remember your introductory remarks. They may not remember the body of the letter, but it's what you say at the end that's going to stay with them the longest. And the psalmist, after writing most of the book of Psalms, after writing more than 70% of the 150 chapters of Psalms, he begins Psalm 146 with, Praise ye the Lord. He ends Psalm 146 with, Praise ye the Lord. He starts 147 with, Praise ye the Lord. He ends 147 with, Praise ye the Lord. He starts 148 with, Praise ye the Lord. I know I told you about the Lord as my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. But 148 ends with praise ye the Lord. Psalm 149 begins with praise ye the Lord. And Psalm 149 ends with praise ye the Lord. And his final remarks, what he wants you to remember most is his house. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet and the organs and the cymbals and the high sounding cymbals. And let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. And if you do, you're going to open up the gate to heaven. And that concludes this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. And for those of you on iTunes, leave us a good rating. Thank you for listening to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast.